This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds, the show that provides you with up-to-date medical information, and we answer all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be with you on this Saturday morning. And I'm especially happy because uh, we have an exciting guest on in the second half of our program. Dr. Omar Eaton is going to call is going to join us. He's a medical oncologist. You know, lately words like antibodies, vaccines, messenger RNA have all become part of the daily lexicon of the common man. Everybody hears these words. And today we're going to discuss with Dr. Eaton the treatment which we call immunotherapy. Immunotherapy of which vaccines are part of the armamentarium. These are tools that are used to treat disease. And in his case, as a medical oncologist, they use immunotherapy to treat cancer. And some of these, immunotherapy basically harnesses our own natural immune system to fight a disease. And there are a lot of different approaches to it. Um, Dr. Eaton is really internationally renowned in the treatment of melanoma and using immunotherapy. So he's going to be our guest in the second half of the program because I think it's important for everybody now that we're familiar with these words to understand how they are going to be part of medical treatment in the future. This day in medicine, August 7th, 1962, and I really wanted to talk about this one because it's the day Dr. Francis Oldham Kelsey was awarded the gold medal for distinguished federal service by President John F. Kennedy. Dr. Kelsey blocked the sale of thalidomide in the United States. So for those of you old enough to remember thalidomide, thalidomide was a drug being used throughout Europe in pregnant women to avoid morning sickness, nausea, and other problems with pregnancy that occurred somewhat naturally. But Dr. Kelsey dug in her heels and felt that it had to go through more rigorous testing in the United States as part of the FDA. And she did not uh, allow it to be sold in the United States. In doing so, we avoided tremendous disaster in the sense that many children were born with limb deformities, missing hands, fingers, and other limbs as a result of the treatment with thalidomide. So you have to understand that the Food and Drug Administration has always and continues to be very rigorous in approving drugs in this country and especially devices, medical devices, and things such as that. So we really have to bring that into consideration. 
Uh, I wanted to mention on today's show, we're not going to be taking questions today, uh, but I will uh, answer questions if you email me at info at alessimd.com. We have so much information to squeeze into the hour. It's really not possible to take live questions. So um, just email me at info at alessimd.com. One of those questions came in last week, and it was a discussion of uh, someone was calling on behalf. She was uh, writing on behalf of a relative who has Alzheimer's disease and uh, is in a nursing home and is elderly, quite elderly, and got the vaccine and now has noticed a tremor. And the question was, is the tremor a result of the vaccine? And the answer is no. And the reason being, it's interesting because when you get into the neurology of tremor, we all have a tremor to some degree, a physiologic tremor. And if you want to test it out, just put your hands out in front of you, palms up, and put a plain sheet of paper, one single slice of paper, and, and you'll see it shake a little bit. As we get older, that tremor accelerates and becomes more prominent, some more than others. So it's more likely in this situation that the tremor she has is age-related and not related to anything else. So it's something we see. But tremor has not been a reaction to the vaccine. You know, one thing, a wise Jamaican man once told me something. We were talking about the COVID-19 vaccine uh, early on. And he said there was a, a Jamaican saying, when you feel it, you know it. And we're seeing more and more of that now that we have seen people become gravely ill in places like Louisiana and Missouri and Florida. I mean, Florida, I think, has over half of the cases of uh, new cases of COVID-19. And we're seeing a lot of people on the air now who didn't get the vaccine. They're getting oxygen. They're quite ill in ICUs, telling others and telling their family members to get vaccinated. And in fact, we're starting to see numbers tick up in those states as people become more ill. So the saying of when you feel it, you know it is true. The question is, do you have to wait till you feel it to know it? Now, typically, when you make a big decision, when you're faced with a big decision of any type, you seek the advice of an unbiased expert, right? So for example, if, if I had to go buy tires, all right, the, the store might present me with several options, but I'll seek the advice of a friend who's familiar with tires to say, what would you do? And seek out their advice. If I were having surgery, right, there's a choice of different types of surgery, I would seek out an expert. And again, I would say, well, what would you do in this situation? Right? If you were in my situation, what would you do? It amazes me when it comes to a deadly virus like COVID-19 that people aren't asking that question. Because if they were to ask me, the question would not only be what would I do, but what did I do? When over 95% of all physicians in this country are vaccinated. So it's not even a question of what do you think I should do? What do you think you would do? Or what did you do? 
So where can you get a more forceful endorsement when making a decision to get the vaccine or not, other than the people with the most expertise in this field have gotten the vaccine? It baffles me. It does, and, and, and I, I deal with this every day with patients. Fortunately, it's not that often, but they're there. Every day I have to see at least one person who comes up with some ridiculous reason why they're not getting vaccinated. And we're going to go over those ridiculous reasons, and I'm going to explain to our listeners today what we need to think about when going forward. Statistics. Let's look at the scorecard. In the United States, we're now over 613,000 deaths related to COVID-19. 50% of our country is now fully vaccinated. That's over 165 million people. Let's look at Connecticut. The numbers are going up, folks. Our positivity rate in June was well below 1%. Now, we're keep going up. We are consistently above 3%, 3.35% positivity rate. That is the positivity rate of the number of tests and how many people are testing positive. So this is spreading. It's getting worse. And it's getting worse at a time when it should be low. We're in August. So we're seeing twice as many cases as we saw last August except for the fact that now we have a treatment. At least then we could say there was nothing we could do except mask. 63.4% of all Connecticut residents are fully vaccinated. If you just take of all Connecticut residents over the age of 12, we're at over 72% fully vaccinated. That's great, but we're obviously not there yet because our positivity rate keeps going up. We're going to take a short break. Then we're going to get back. Now we're going to talk a little bit about some of the problems facing folks when you don't get vaccinated and some of the long-term effects. I'm always hearing this. Well, I'm unsure of the long-term effects. So we're going to talk about those. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be with you on this Saturday morning. Now, one of the reasons I'm always hearing about uh, when people say they're not getting the vaccine, it's uh, I want to wait and see what the side effects are or what the long-term effects are, or it's not fully approved. It's interesting because then when, when I ask, well, if it's fully approved in the next couple of weeks, will you get the vaccine? And, and then it's no again. But let's really look at this. Today we're talking a lot about cancer. We're going to be chatting with my guest, Dr. Omar Eaton, um, who is a cancer specialist and a specialist in immunotherapy at Hartford HealthCare at their Cancer Institute. So let's talk about cancer. What causes cancer? Well, we know toxins cause cancer, right? Air pollution, smoking cigarettes. Those things cause cancer. We know genetics play a big role in cancer. Family history, uh, what, what type of cancer has been found commonly in a family. Diet can cause cancer. 
certain types of diets we found to be more frequent with stomach cancer or intestinal cancer. The other thing we know that causes cancer are viruses, right? Viruses. Why? Well, as many people know now, thanks to COVID, viruses don't live on their own. Viruses are parasites. When they get into your system, they have to live off your tissue, off your cells, off your DNA. So those viruses can now alter how your body works. And we've known that for a long time. Let's start with the Epstein-Barr virus. Pretty common virus. It's a herpes virus, usually seen with mononucleosis. right? And what it does is it remains in your white blood cells, the white blood cells, the B cells. The virus is always there, and sometimes it, it becomes activated. But we know that the Epstein-Barr virus is associated with nasopharyngeal cancers, Hodgkin's disease, lymphoma, and certain cancers of the stomach. So Epstein-Barr virus, when you get it, okay, you are at increased risk for cancer. Hepatitis B and C, right? Hepatitis you get typically from blood-borne pathogens. We saw it a lot when people were using intravenous drugs or with transfusions. You can get liver cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, HIV. Many of us lived through that, right? HIV and AIDS. We all associated with the Kaposi sarcoma, uh, cancers of the cervix. Again, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, anal, lung, liver cancer. Again, the human immunodeficiency virus, HIV. And there are many others, uh, the human herpes virus 8, HTLV1, uh, Merkel cell, polyoma virus. These viruses cause cancer. There's a clear association. Do you know what doesn't cause cancer? Vaccines. No vaccine has ever been shown to cause cancer. And there's been a lot of studies. Right? I mean, let's, let's think of it. Right now, just with COVID-19, we have administered over 4.5 billion vaccinations. But let's go back in history. The first vaccines we ever had were from the 18th century. Right. We've been using vaccines that long. In the 19th century was the first time we started developing. We were able to develop vaccines in a lab. So there's been an evolution of the use of vaccines and how we produce them. So it was in the 19th century that we started using them in a lab. In the 20th century, it was the first time we used immunologic markers. So actually taking markers from the virus, whether live or killed virus, to make a vaccine. And now in the 21st century, we're developing vaccines due to the use of molecular biology. So the fact that people are saying, well, it's messenger RNA, that's a, a new, new way of doing it. It is. Traditionally, we've gotten better. We have gotten smarter. So when people are saying, I don't know the risk going forward 
of either getting the virus or getting the vaccine. And it sounds like some people think their chances of survival and better health are better with taking the risk of getting the virus. And that's a mistake. Because science hasn't shown that. History hasn't shown that. So I ask those of you who might be listening or know someone who's listening, who is not listening, to take that into consideration when you're trying to weigh the long-term effects of a virus versus a vaccine. On a different note, I did want to talk about something, and that was we're hearing a lot. The Olympics are wrapping up, and we've been hearing a lot about uh, Simone Biles. Uh, a lot has come up about the twisties and, and what that is and mental health. The twisties, as she's describing them, is really a neurologic condition. And, and I think we've all had it to some degree, although not to the level that she has uh, brought to the forefront. And that is your inner ear works like a carpenter's balance, right? There's a little bubble in there. When your head moves and your body moves, it tells your brain. When you disrupt that, when you're moving quickly, you can develop vertigo or have a detachment between the ear moving and the brain sensing that. And obviously that could be disastrous for a gymnast or an aerial acrobat, an aerial athlete. So when she talks about muscle memory, it's really a question of the brain and the inner ear becoming disconnected and not working properly. So I wanted people to understand that uh, to some degree and um, the severity that that can cause. We're going to take a short break. Then we're going to be back with my guest, Dr. Omar Eaton. He is uh, the medical director of the Hartford Healthcare Cancer Institute Melanoma and Skin Cancer Center. We're going to be talking about immunotherapy today in the treatment of cancer. And, and I had a chat with him before the program, and I have to tell you, it's fascinating. The future of immunotherapy in creating better health for all of us is here. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be with you. Um, and I am very proud to have as my guest in this segment of the program, Dr. Omar Eaton. Dr. Eaton is the medical director of Hartford Healthcare Cancer Institute, the Melanoma and Skin Cancer Center. He is a medical oncologist and uh, a, an expert and world-renowned expert in the area of immunotherapy. Omar, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tony. Glad to be on the line. Um, so let's chat a little bit. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how we got here um, with your experience in immunotherapy? Thank you. Um, well, um, first, let me say that it's a great time to be talking to you uh, and to, your, uh, to, to the listeners because um, I, my career spanned over 30 years and during that 30-year period, uh, from 1990 to the present, the cancer death rate has fallen by 30%. I came from 
two major comprehensive cancer centers, one called Sloan Kettering in New York and the other one called MD Anderson in Houston. So I had a good chance to, to really watch the evolution from what we used to do to what we do now, which is an order of magnitude better than what we ever did in the past uh, in terms of getting great outcomes with less side effects. Um, and so this is a great chance to, for me to uh, brag about uh, the successes and the hope, um, while also acknowledging that there's still a lot of work to do. Um, uh, so I've, I could give you more information, but currently I'm the um, um, where I'm heading the melanoma and skin cancer program for Hartford Healthcare. Um, that spans. Uh, Connecticut, essentially. We have various hospitals all over the state and other clinics. Um, and um, I also uh, led with the immunology program for treating cancer, because um, that's where I emanated from in my early years um, and have been involved continuously. But also I've been involved in another great discovery, which is in the personalization of healthcare using signal transduction inhibitors where we actually understand um, the basis of or the driver mutations that cause cancers to occur and now have drugs that target those. This is phenomenal. So let's, let's go over, first of all, with skin cancer. Um, you talked about some of the progress made. Uh, you know, it used to be when people were diagnosed with melanoma, um, it, it was essentially a death sentence um, uh, for many people, and that's changed. Could you bring our listeners up a little bit on how the treatment has changed the outlook for people with melanoma? Well, the, the, always the rule of melanoma is early de- uh, surveillance, early detection, and um, your skin is your largest organ on the body. And that's actually where some of the winds go, come from in terms of the cancer death rate going down um, has been just early detection and uh, proper management from the beginning, uh, using all kinds of, we, we are very aggressive when we detect the melanoma. The, the interesting thing is, um, whereas melanoma is number five on the cancer hit list, it's, it's risen from way down low to now it's an epidemic, essentially, especially in men and women over the age of 65, and especially in men and women over the age of 80. And uh, we have plenty of people living into their late 80s. Um, so there is an epidemic of it, but there's uh, improved diagnosis and treatment so that while the numbers keep going up, the death rate is still uh, rather low. Um, so um, that's one notion is early detection and treatment. Uh, um, but the other side of the story is if you ever end up with advanced disease, which is in the spectrum where you have metastases in the lung, liver, bones, or brain, um, the the old uh, survival times, the median, which is half people would be gone within four to six months, um, that moved up to eight months and then nine months and then 11 months. But now we just presented, uh, not me, but it was presented in the ESCO, the American Society of Clinical Oncology, um, the, uh, the latest survival, even with stage four could, median, could be up to seven years median rather than eight to ten months. So that's a reflection of some amazing advances. Um, I will point out that uh, a lot of us struggled for decades in the immunotherapy world, which I'll explain in a moment. Um, and 
uh, and people would say we're crazy. Well, in reality, um, and we'll explain what immunotherapy is in a moment, but in reality, uh, there were two Nobel Prizes in 2018. That's only three years ago around this time. Um, in mel for melanoma treatment using these new antibodies, which is a form of immunotherapy. Um, and those are the ones that have garnered uh, a tremendous amount of uh, accolades because of improved long-term survival. We can almost, we could use the word cure now for a significant proportion of patients that uh, before that word never existed, we would never use it. Um, but then there's also great discoveries, again, in the signal transduction area, not just in therapy. So uh, everything is growing roses uh, um, and the progress continues. Um, so that, that's a quick introduction to, to uh, why people are doing better and why we're all excited. Omar, um, so, uh, Omar, what, yeah. so let's get into what is immunotherapy? Because I, I think people, you know, we've all, this, we've all learned a lot now about antibodies since COVID. We've learned about antibodies and vaccines and um, different types of white blood cells. But what is immunotherapy and how does it differ from, for lack of a better term, traditional chemotherapy approaches to cancer? That's the right question, Tony. That's the most fundamental question. Um, in the old days, we used drugs that were essentially derived out of World War II. They were essentially poisons, and we'd hope we'd kill the cancer before we killed the patient. Um, those were cytotoxic, uh, broke down, dividing tumor cells, and um, and the benefits we're finding out even today in randomized trials were are much lower than uh, we don't use them as much anymore um, than we even experienced at the time. Um, there was hope, but it was the results were poor. Immunotherapy is where we can get the, you as the or us as patients to attack our own tumor, or we inject proteins that will find the tumor and coax an immune response against the tumor. So it's all about overriding your tolerance of your tumor um, on one hand um, or attacking it directly with biologic products. Um, and that has a safer profile. It's not, um, as, it's not like classical chemotherapy um, in, in terms of the side effects. Um, and a lot of it can be done outpatient, even in 80 or 90. I've treated 90-year-olds, but mostly 80-year-olds uh, uh, and um, uh, without too much trouble, whereas in the old days, you would never use these types of treatments uh, to treat cancer in the older patient population because they didn't have much reserve to survive multiple cycles of anything. Um, but the whole uh, – there was an interesting notion, um, um, which was that um, I mean, I'm going to confuse it going back and forth, so I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stick to the immunotherapy now. Um, the um, um, uh, uh, immunotherapy started way back, like 2600 B.C., uh, when there was an Egyptian pharaoh called Imhotep. And what he would do is he would cause local infections to cause tumor regression. So somehow you get an infection some sort of immune reaction that they didn't use that word in those days, but something happened and the tumor shrank. Um, and then, uh, so in other words, something the patient's body did as a response to the infection caused the tumor to shrink. There was a 
screen in a um, who also reported uh, regression of tumor, and this came on and off over the centuries. In the 18th and 19th centuries, there was a more deliberate attempt to infect tumors. Um, uh, so the wounds would, surgical wounds would be left open, and they'd make it infected. There was a French physician called Dussosoy who uh, treated an ulcerated bad breast cancer with a gangrenous discharge uh, from someone else's wound, uh, the tumor disappeared. Um, and uh, the story goes on. I come out of the William Coley legacy in the United States, 1891. He was at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York, and he created Coley, which was strep, strep infection um, with another uh, another bacterium and, um, and uh, to, to treat cancer. And that ultimately ended up with the first FDA-approved treatment for cancer using uh, an immunotherapy by using BCG, which is Bacille Camille Guerin, uh, a version of tuberculosis. Sure. Um, they would use that. That was FDA-approved in 1980 um, when uh, invasive bladder cancers were reduced, um, and uh, that is still a treatment to this day. So those were. Uh, indirect ways to stimulate an immune response through a bug. Then, but we spent most of the last century, as we developed ways to forward drive the immune response, um, we um, would give people cytokines like interferon or interleukin-2 in very high doses, um, and we'd do a whole bunch of other very creative things, but they never seemed to do the work. And I would say it was equivalent to having a Rottweiler, a dog, um, designed to go attack the enemy, but it's chained to the to the to the post. So you can say go go attack, go attack, go attack, and it's screaming and yelling, but it can't do anything. So you get a lot of side effects and not that much activity, uh, except in a very few uh, circumstances, uh, which gave those treatments a lot of notoriety in the 20th century. Sure, um, sure. It was only in the end of the 20th century that a guy named Jonathan who was doing experiments. And by the way, all of these people who developed these treatments were always viewed as heretical uh, um, until uh, the data became apparent um, that they were right. But he actually, you wonder, how do you live as a person through an entire life where your immune system is so well regulated that you don't, when you eat your first bottle of baby food, you don't self-destruct from the inside out because you've been exposed to something new but you also don't get lymphoma from being exposed to like a bug bite because your sure. immune system seems to be regulated. It's, it's leashed. And, that, sure. and we finally had them, that's where you get to the notion of personalized medicine is we're now at the molecular level and we can understand how the immune system is harnessed uh, so it behaves, where it doesn't attack altered self too aggressively. Um, it's like a bumblebee that stings once. Um, and what Jim Allison did is he found a protein that he could inhibit, mm -hmm. which actually then, uh, it was sort of like in Harry Potter, removing the invisibility cloak around the tumor. All of a sudden, it, you, you never really had to overdrive the Rottweiler. You just had to remove the chain. And so in this case, in the Harry Potter instance, it's, you just remove the invisibility cloak and all of a sudden, the immune system sees this whole target array on the tumor 
because it was invisible. Um, and so then the immune system doesn't need any help at all. It sees the enemy and will eradicate it. It could take down a large mass in a few weeks uh, with no pain, no suffering. It's very natural. Bones will reform when there are holes in them, like bone metastases. Um, so uh, it's a form of uh, just uh, overriding tolerance to the tumor because it did somehow emerge and became tolerant. That's why it's growing. How do you remove that tolerance and make it go away? And that's what Jim Allison came with, the first uh, molecule called CTLA-4, and then the first drug, Ipilumab, which was the, the first one in 2018 to get the Nobel Prize. Okay. And we use that in every day in our clinic. Um, well, we're going to take, take a short break. I didn't want to interrupt, yeah, but we got to sure. take a short break, get to the sponsors, and then I want to get back because I really okay. want to talk about personalized medicine and how we're going to use that um, in the closing moments of the show, talk about how we're going to use that to attack other tumors, brain tumors. How do we destroy every cell? Right. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. Need an eye exam, emergency eye care? Do you need treatment for cataracts, glaucoma, diabetes, macular degeneration? Do you need a contact lens fitting? Call me, Dr. Mary Gina Rashford with the Rashford Eye Center in Berlin. Rashford Eye Center is on the cutting edge. RashfordEyeCenter.com. The rant line can be rowdy. <laughs> the rant line can be fun. Can we get rid of all the movie stars? Can we send them to Mars? Call the rant line anytime. 860-751-4698. They want to put me in the van. Here comes the police again. That's 751-4698. I like that guy, Mark the Shock. I saw him at Fenway Park. It's Todd Talk at 3 on WTIC. I'm a candy rapper. I don't like Jake Pepper. News Talk 10. And he hit one over the van. 16 years ago, I had weight loss surgery, and it changed my life. I weighed 417 pounds. DeBranson Davidson has lost more than 200 pounds since he turned to Hartford HealthCare for help. These days, he runs marathons, works out with his kids, and enjoys walking and traveling with his wife. I want to be that guy who's 100 years old that says, I did it. If I can do it, you can do it. For more info, visit whatwillyougain.org. Keep WTIC News Talk 1080 with you all summer long for the information you need. Weather forecasts from Bob Cox and the WTIC weather team help you plan your summertime activities. Taking a trip? Traffic reports with Jerry Griswold, Mark Christopher, and the WTIC traffic team will get you there without the hassle. Plus, up-to-the-minute news reports twice an hour. Keep us with you all summer long because when you're on vacation, we're not. WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. You know what's cool right now? The inside of my house because the air conditioning because of my new windows stays in the house. So if you're losing cool air in the summer, if you're losing hot air in the winter, you probably need new windows. And Window Nation, it's a perfect time. They're offering your anniversary celebration savings. Two windows for free. For every two you buy, you pay nothing for 24 months. That's two years, right? So you get two free windows for every two you buy. You don't pay any interest or any payments for two years. All you have to do is call 866-90-NATION. 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. WTIC. WTIC HD Hartford. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. In our closing minutes, we're chatting with Dr. Omar Eaton. Um, he is medical director of the Hartford Healthcare Cancer Institute, Melanoma and Skin Cancer Center. And we're talking about immunotherapy. Uh, Omar, so you've touched on personalized medicine, and we've talked a lot about vaccines. Uh, but so... 
what is the implication here? Does it come down to the point where if you develop a tumor, you can take a piece of that tumor and create a drug that is directed only towards your tumor? Because we all know the objective of cancer therapy, you have to destroy every cell. And yeah. surgery doesn't do that. I mean, it just doesn't do that except in rare instances. And, and I'm talking as a neurologist, I'm talking about glioblastoma and severe brain cancers. Is there a time that you see where we can take a piece of a brain tumor, lung tumor, and create a vaccine, an immunotherapy specific for that tumor? So I, I spent a portion of my career in exactly that field. Um, uh, just, uh, and the answer is we got better solutions right now where we, uh, we do actually sequence every patient's tumors that come to my clinic, all my advanced disease patients or people with stage three or stage four disease have their tumor sequenced to find driver mutations. But we're crossing over two different topics. Um, I just wanted to finish that last part because it benefits the neurology, sure. the neuro-oncology world dramatically, um, which is the second, we've already got multiple targets, not just one uh, chain to release around the uh, immune system, but several others. Um, and the second Nobel Prize was for nivolumab, called a PD-1 inhibitor. And when you pair them up, there's the first paper in the New England Journal of Medicine where you pair those two drugs up and you can cause tumors in the brain, which never responded to anything but radiation in the old days. But now we routinely get disease control in the brain. It is exquisitely impressive. Um, uh, I've even got a patient with leptomeningeal disease where it's spread into the spinal fluid. That's usually career terminating. He's alive three years later doing just fine with a good life. Uh, and um, so just that's called, um, uh, that's, that's really called check where we override tolerance. So I wanted to move that aside now since you talked now about this notion of personalizing medicine. The best way to personalize medicine is to understand the enemy and understand the host, the host being us. And we've got to do it in one minute. If you could, we've got to get this in one minute. So let's do it. Yeah. So the, the, um, we are now, we know their driver mutations that the challenge is to create drugs that target those mutations and, the pharmaceutical companies are very good now at developing drugs that actually get into the, through the blood-brain barrier. Um, and one of the great discoveries in melanoma, another one of all things in my lifetime, is the BRAF inhibitors, uh, the BRAF inhibitor where you poison a proliferation pathway and shut down the tumor. Uh, and um, those drugs also get into the brain and cause tumors to shrink, provided they have the exact mutation that that those drugs target. But then there's a whole bunch of other driver mutations that, and some of them that were considered undruggable that are becoming druggable right under our noses over the next three or four years, you're going to be hearing all kinds of great things. Um, and so not only do we have intravenous immunotherapy approaches, we also have cell therapy approaches just presented a month ago at the national meeting where forget antibodies, which are really small. You got whole cells now, you can take the tills out of the patient's tumors and give them back to the patient. 
and, um, and achieve durable responses. We we never thought they would be durable, but now we know they're durable with the latest maneuvers. Um, and uh, and then you have these signal transduction yep. inhibitors, which are and they're all gradually getting into every cancer, um, which will uh, have to be matched between what the patient's tumor molecular biology is showing. Um, and you just find the right drug off the shelf for that particular mutation. And so we are clearly new in the new world of personalized medicine, whether it's immunotherapy, whether it's pills that are signal transduction inhibitors to uh, cut, cut off proliferation pathways. Um, and all of these extend life. And the side effect oh. profiles um, uh, allow you to do this all outpatient compared to the old days where a lot of it was inpatient. So you get to continue a quality life. However, you still have to manage side effects. And I'll just close on that. With immunotherapies, when you override tolerance, you can get any type of itis, like dermatitis or colitis or pneumonitis, where you get inflammation, bystander effects on other organs if your immune system doesn't like them. Um, With the signal transduction inhibitors, they all have their own path, their own potential side effects, but they're all manageable, and that's our job as medical oncologists to uh, hold the hand of our patients uh, as they go through these treatments and deal, and they learn how to manage their side effects and uh, continue to uh, live their lives. Um, uh, so, so the hope is amazing. We would always prefer to discover cancers early and maybe cure them up front. But if it's not early, we've got all these things available. And a lot of them are being used now preemptively with the FDA approval. Omar, um, thank you. Because they're so effective. Omar, thank you for everything you do. I'm sorry that we're out of time, but we will probably pick up with you in the future. Thank you very much. Um, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Omar Eaton, who has been with us today. Many thanks to our studio producer, Joe Costa, has been on the board today. Jeff Chandler is in charge of sales and marketing for Healthy Rounds. Next up on WTIC is Law Talk with John Matulis. Please go out and help save lives. Talk to a friend. Talk to a neighbor. Convince them. Talk to them. Present them the information that they need to be vaccinated for us to get out of this problem right now. Until next week, this is Dr. Anthony Alessi. Please stay healthy.